be it. Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we're checking in on the Habs draft lottery odds and doing a real big prospect sweep into the new year. All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Locked on Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. All you got to do, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. That is $20 off with code LOCKEDON for GameTime. And I got to be honest, it is a new year. I am so happy to be here with y'all. I am your host. I am Scott Matla, my co-host, The Active Stick is still a little under the weather, so I'm handling the first show of the new year. We didn't do one, you know, on New Year's Eve or into New Year's Eve just because, or that would have released on New Year's Day. It's New Year's Eve. Everyone's out celebrating with their family and friends. The last thing we want to do is, you know, take away for that time for everybody else involved here. So lots covering today's show. We're going to check in on the lottery odds for the Montreal Canadiens. We are going to see what's up with the officiating and World Juniors as a whole. How are the Habs prospects performing there? And checking in a little bit on the AHL. It is three up and three down, so we're going to mix some things in there. Uh, First and foremost, the last episode going into the new year, we talked about can the Montreal Canadiens kind of overcome their demons, flip the script a little bit, heading into Florida to end 2023. And the short answer to that is no. They, they cannot, unfortunately. They lost two separate but equally frustrating games. Uh, the Panthers game, offense had nothing. Absolutely nothing going all game. I don't, I believe they were sitting at barely 10 shots heading into the third period when Florida kind of sat back a little bit. It was a dominant effort by the Panthers. And the biggest thing in that game that I'm happy about is Uh, No one got hurt. Well, no, that's a lie because Christian Dvorak got hurt. So nothing dumb really occurred in that game. Will Lockwood challenge Michael Pozzetta to a fight, which if you challenge Michael Pozzetta to a fight, you are a braver person than I am. Cole Caulfield scored ridiculous backhand goal along the goal line. Just wasn't a good game for the Habs. The defensive miscues in that game were apparent. Jake Allen really didn't have a chance on a lot of those. It's going to look ugly on his scoreline, and I'm not really going to blame him for that. The defense kind of didn't play well in front of him. They lost to the Panthers. So it is what it is. They've lost to the Panthers a lot in recent years. The Panthers are a pretty solid team all the way around there. They go into Tampa on New Year's Eve, and from the outset, the Canadians are hammering this team. They they were miles better than the Tampa Bay lightning. And because sports are wholly undeserved a lot of the time here, the Montreal Canadians do not get a win over the Tampa Bay lightning. That game ended with the Canadians controlling. Let's see here. They had 14 high danger chances to eight for Tampa Bay, 63% of the chances at five on five and expected goals of 2.96 to 1.84, 61.69% of the expected goals in that game. 
Corsi for 54% to Tampa's 45. Tampa had one good period. It was in the third. And it's unfortunately the one that they kind of, you know, took the lead in there. This was a game where the Canadians dominated the front of the net and their quality was lacking. Whereas Tampa finished everything, unfortunately. And there's not really much you can do about that. Uh, they did get one of the weirdest goals I've ever seen in my entire life. And that Samuel Montembeau makes a save. Nobody blows the whistle and he goes and pushes it off to the side. The officials are letting play continue. The lightning thinking that the officials have blown the whistle have stopped playing the in-house arena folks, game ops, whatever you want to call it, start playing music and spotlights. Jonathan Kovacevic is holding the puck and Montembeau is telling him to shoot it at the empty net because uh, Jonas Johansson has left the net for the lightning to go do his little routine off to the side where they skate between whistles. Kovacevic buries it into the empty net and it is a two nothing game. And then Tampa did what Tampa does and they just turned on the jets. It's, it's a frustrating game. And the biggest thing is Samuel Montembeau played really well, except for one instance in which uh pass went around. I believe it was Justin Barron who was trying to get back and make a stop. Samuel Montembeau goes to play it off his pads to the corner. You know, they kind of rotate, kick it out to the corner. He opened his five hole as the puck was going. He misread the puck's direction there and it goes in the net. It's an ugly, stupid goal. And that makes them one for one on fluky goals in that game. If we're being honest, it's an annoying game because Tampa was not the better team in that. I'm looking at, you know, the flow of play chart. They scored two goals against the run of play where the Canadians were up to nothing. One of those was obviously Austin Watson's ugly, you know, whatever that was. And then the other two were Nikita Kucherov just being a freak. Defensive breakdowns a little bit. The Canadians were a better team in this game and didn't get the deser deserved result. And somehow Tampa fans still feel like they're hard done, to which I say, uh, cope, seethe, and deal with it. You're still in a playoff spot right now. Like, I, I, I don't feel bad for you in the slightest. Uh, oh no, a little bad thing happened to you in one game and you still won. How terrible. Anyways, the biggest thing is where does this leave the Montreal Canadiens in the division and where does it leave them in the overall, uh, uh, the lottery standard lottery standings going into, uh, 2024 right now with none of the other teams playing that the only game today is the winter classic at 3 PM between Seattle and Vegas. The Canadians sit sixth in the Atlantic division, three points behind Detroit, who are in fifth. They are 15, 16, and five with seven regulation wins. They need to win more in regulation. Obviously, that's something that hasn't changed. They, I think, might have the least regulation wins in the league. They do. They are tied with San Jose. They have the least regulation wins in the NHL uh, this season. They have 12 regulation overtime wins and obviously a couple of shootout wins. It's... They got to put away games that they can uh, games that they need to win, to be quite honest. And this was a game that they probably should have won. Uh, they are sitting 26 in the league right now, which obviously makes sense. They're not out of anything yet, which is the wildest part to this. Uh, Tampa has 41 points. They're sitting in the second wild card spot. They're not out of anything, but I'm also going to kind of, you know, realize they're not probably going to be a playoff team this year. They're they're being a nuisance though, but they're being a nuisance that's staying in that top 10 pick area, which is probably the best thing for this team. Uh, I am on tankathon right now. I will be 
posting or updating the standards once a week or standings, not standards. I don't know why that's stuck in my brain here. Uh, going forward each week, we'll do a check-in on the lottery standings after the week when we do three up and three down, which for Tankathon, which just, you know, ranks it. I don't know who they do their, uh, who, where their player rankings are done through, but as of right now at seventh overall in the NHL draft, it has us taking Berkeley Catton from, uh, Spokane in the WHL, 33 games, 22 goals, 32 assists, 54 points. Uh, right behind that is Caden Lindstrom going to the uh, Calgary Flames, who has 27 goals, 19 assists, 46 points. The difference is Catton, a little bit smaller playmaker, and Caden Lindstrom is gigantic. Big bruising body, a lot of penalty minutes, but a physical goal scorer there. I can already see the debates developing here. And the biggest issue with this draft that I'm looking at right now, there's a lot of good defensemen in this draft. You have Artem Levshinov, who is playing for Michigan State, Sam Dickinson. You have Anton Silyov playing in the KHL. Uh, Ziv Buyam, who's playing for the USA and dominating at World Juniors right now. Zane Parika, who's playing at Saginaw. Adam Yurchek, who is done for the year now, though. His injury is is has taken him out of World Juniors, likely to miss the rest of his season. Uh, Carter Yakemchuk playing for Calgary. There's a lot, and then obviously Lane Hudson's brother Cole. There's a lot of good defensemen in this draft, and I know if the Canadians pick any of these defensemen, this fan base is going to riot. They need a they need a goal scorer, and I am also of the mind that if they do not have a forward they like in that range, there you trade this pick right now until you to drop into an area where there will be forwards available for you and collect more assets. But right now, Canadians sitting seventh there. They uh, do not have their early second round pick because it was part of a whole bunch of trades that ended up being part of the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. So the Jets have the Canadian, what would be the Canadians' 39th pick. And if you want to know where that pick went, it was in the Christian Dvorak deal. So good job on that one, Mark Bergevin. Thank you for ending with that. Uh, don't love the way that that has gone. However, it is Monday. Monday means three up and three down. We're going to get into the downs, especially with whatever the heck is going on at World Juniors and beyond, and that's all coming up next. And as I said off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by Game Time, and it is the new year. Sports playoffs are around the corner. You have the NBA's in full swing. Hockey is obviously in the middle of its season. But if you are looking to get the best tickets for the best games or shows, whatever in your local area, you got to check out GameTime.com. I know how frustrating it can be to buy tickets. You don't know how the seats are going to look. You're going to get hit with hidden fees after you go to purchase them. You think you found a great deal. And nope, guess what? Game time eliminates all of that. They have last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals for everything. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You want to see a concert? They got you covered. Comedy show? Gotcha. You want to go see a musical? They got you covered as well as every sporting event you can imagine. And you get views from all the seats in the venue. So when you go to buy your seats, you know exactly what you're seeing. And they have the lowest price guaranteed, events cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. So if you want to take the guesswork out of buying tickets, you need Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your purchase. Some terms apply. That is Download the Game Time app. Redeem code locked on for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. And as we usually do the first episode of the week, it is three up and three down. I didn't have a lot of complaints last week because why? It's the holiday season. Nobody wants to hear anybody complaining about anything like that. 
However, going into this week, it's the biggest thing standing out in front of me today that I've seen that people can complain about. We will get to some of the Hab stuff in a little bit is the officiating at world juniors is both harsh within its rules and inconsistent in the same way. And I see a lot of people are upset about this. My mentions were filled with this yesterday because, you know, I don't like it when players hit other players in the head, which is a bad thing. Apparently I want to go back to, I believe it was Canada, Sweden in which Owen Beck is along the boards and he gets hit from the sides into the board. It's initially ruled a five minute major so they can review it as IIHF rules um, dictate that they can do this. They look at it and I go, it's probably going to be a two minute, you know, boarding minor, which would be probably fair for that because he didn't hit him fully from behind, but jammed him enough in the boards there that you can probably call something on that overruled nothing, which by the letter of the law of boarding is he didn't hit him from the back, didn't hit him in the numbers. It would make sense. Okay. Let's fast forward to this week here, or as I should say yesterday and 11 seconds into Canada versus Germany. Connor Geeky lines up a German player, hits him square in the head, 11 seconds into the game. Reviewed, five-minute major, hit to the head, ejected. Basic IIHF rules. And some people are, well, why doesn't he, you know, he's taller than him. If you're a bigger player, learn how to hit when you are bigger than other players. You do not have to hit them in the head. You don't. Or, and I know this is going to be a a shocking fact, is you don't have to hit them at all. You don't have to hit if you're not going to separate them from the puck. You have you're six foot five, you're a foot taller than the guy almost. Use your stick, use your reach to try and create something. Instead, you launch yourself into a hit while the puck is already going the other way. The issue is later on in that game, there was a hit from behind, or I believe it was another elbow. I'd have to check the replay on that, in which a German player hits a Canadian player. Very clearly, this should be a reviewable penalty, some kind of you know, five minute whatever, and nothing happens. Nothing came from the play at all, which is wild in a lot of different ways. And even as someone rooting against Team Canada in this tournament, because I am a a filthy American, what do you want me to say? Is it doesn't make a lot of sense that I I love the IIHF rule that if there is head contact, they can review it. It is a five-minute major no matter what, but they can review whether or not it is a match penalty, ejection, whatever. I love that, and I wish that the NHL would actually adopt that. I've talked about it a lot more. If you want to get headshots out of the game, make there be a real threat of things. Because remember last week, you know, Uri Slavkovsky got his head picked by Stefan Nosen, and the NHL went, nope, nothing we can do about it. But they spent almost 10 minutes reviewing Josh Anderson hitting Eric Cernak in the, in the, in the Lightning game, in which Anderson promptly pointed out, so they can review that, but when we asked them to review the hit on Uri Slavkovsky, the ref said nothing, which again, best refs in the world in the NHL. The IIHF, I love that they review and check these penalties. I do, and I love that there are serious penalties for hitting players in the head or in vulnerable positions. The issue is, is the officiating staff isn't going to be consistent with what they are calling. That in and of itself is the problem. I love that you can dole out a harsh penalty for what is a harsh offense. That if I go in and I chicken wing somebody in the head, I should be out of that game. Intent matters a little bit. Obviously, like we've seen them punish players for headshots where you're suspended two, three games for things. I love that. The issue is if you're not going to call it, you know, uh, uniform across the board here, it's an issue. 
they're on my down list this week. It's I don't love that officiating has become the story of world juniors when you have Latvia somehow stun Germany to stay alive in this. You have uh, the U.S. overcoming a slow start, dominating a Slovakian team who's been very good in this tournament. You have Team Canada struggling to find consistency. Sweden and Finland have played some really tight, fun games. It's probably one of the most level playing fields we've seen in World Juniors in a while, and that in, in you know includes Russia not being there for you know political reasons right now. It's been a good tournament that is highlighted by people talking about penalties. Not all the dope stuff players are doing, and I hate when that is the thing that happens, honestly. Uh, transitioning in the down here to get to the Hab side of things. Two things. One, I've seen enough of Yol Armia. I don't care anymore. I don't want to see him on the ice anymore because I don't know what he is bringing to the table anymore. He's an overpaid... If he wasn't making $3 million you'd stick him on the fourth line and forget about it. But he's making $3 million. Again, thank you, Mark Bergevin. One really great parting gift there. He doesn't have it this year. And every time I see him, it's like he's laboring. It looks like he doesn't care. And he was only in the lineup against Tampa Bay because Christian Dvorak got injured. And they had to run 11 forward, 7 defensemen because they have no spare forwards. Tanner Pearson's still out. Rafael Harvey Pinard still out. Alex Newhook still out. Kirby Doc still out. And they spent Emil Heineman back to Laval, and he had played three games in three nights. It's it's frustrating because he's. I'm hoping that there's changes coming with that. The roster freeze is over. Tor- or the roster freeze is over. Toronto waived Ilya Samsonov and is making moves. You can make a move on Yol Armia. Send him back down to the HL. If he doesn't report, guess what? Suspend him. Don't care. I just. I don't like that he's taking up a spot on the NHL roster at this point because there's nothing coming out of it right now. You can move Yessi Alonen up to his spot there and call up Elias Anderson, a Xavier Simono to play that fourth line role. It's fine. Uh, I would like to see Mitchell Stevens eventually get back to the rocket because I think they could desperately use his face-off skills in that lineup right now. And we'll get to the rocket in the second segment. Uh, and my last thing here is, Martin St. Louis, you do know you have other defensemen, correct? Watching the Tampa Bay game, the final, the get Samuel Montemo to the bench after Nick Suzuki makes it a 4-3 game. They're playing with the net empty, and every shift is just Mike Matson. He's been out there for like three minutes. He barely beats out an icing, uh, which Lightning fans are also mad about. Like they didn't win. It doesn't matter. And I'm watching Matheson skate, and it's like he's exhausted. Okay, you don't trust Justin Barron. Fine. You have Jordan Harris. You have Jaden Struble. You have Caden Gooley. You have David Savard, who, quite frankly, played well in the Tampa game, looked really sharp in the offensive zone, trotting out one guy over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. So he's so exhausted he can't function, leads to mistakes, and mistakes lead to goals or non-goals for your team. I get that Mike Matheson is the catalyst on this on this defensive blue line. I do. I really get it. But you can't keep running him into the dirt like this. Because here's the thing. Is if he gets hurt, we know what this defensive group looks like when Mike Matheson is not here. And it's ugly. It's it's terrible. It is the worst thing that could happen to this Canadiens team at this time. And nobody wants to watch that anymore. I don't want to watch it after last year. It was bad enough then. 
I don't know if it'd get any better this year, but uh, Jaden Struble might change my mind a little on that. So the biggest thing is, Marty, I know that you're still a young coach, and I know that Matheson is your crutch kind of go-to guy. You have other options, and I'm begging you to use them. You might lose, but you got to give the chance to somebody else here, too. If Matheson's so exhausted, he can't skate out an icing there, and I'm, and it almost goes against the Habs there, figure it out. Call timeout. Do something. If you don't have your timeout, fine. Switch the defenseman. It's an icing. You can change your players out. They can't. Get fresh legs on the ice and skate them into the dirt like you have been all game. It was such a bizarre occurrence that I look at and go, that's just not, that's panic coaching. And I get it a little bit. Like you're still learning. You're trying to get that last goal and you're desperate. You can do better than that. And I guess if that's the the limit of my down for this week. I think we're in a pretty good shape here. Uh, coming up in our final segment, we will go into the ups. We're going to start this new year on a high note. And trust me, the kids in the AHL are flying. We're going to have more on that coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app's super easy to use. All you got to do, you log in, use FanDuel.com slash locked on. You're going to get that $150 bonus, win or lose on your first $5 bet. Live same game parlays. You can find new bets in the explore tab if you're looking for something different than the money line, the over under or whatever else you can make a parlay in the parlay hub. And it's the best way to find the most popular ones out there right now. And when you hit on these things, guess what? You can get paid out instantly in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Bills at Vike or bills at dolphins next week for the AFC East division Packers at bears for a playoff berth on the line for the green Bay Packers. You know, I'm going to be tuned in, maybe win a little money on the side for the new year to Make up for all the money I spent on Christmas presents this year. All you got to do, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and us here at Locked On. And we are back. It is the final segment of our first show of 2024. We're in three up and three down. We always end the show on a good note. We always end with the ups unless I've written the notes backwards, which sometimes I do. It happens. It's a new year. It's been new year. Less mistakes. Same old bad takes for me, though, however. So you're going to be stuck with that. Speaking of World Juniors, I wanted to get into this because I want to highlight two players who've been playing really, really well for their respective teams. Philip Mashar is a catalyst for Slovakia. And yes, they got trounced by Lane Hudson and Team USA. Mashar still a standout player in this tournament. One goal, six assists in uh, four games so far. Lane Hudson up to five assists after he tallied three against Slovakia there. Hudson had a rough start to this tournament. I know a lot of people were like, what's going on? And then against Czechia and against Slovakia, he has turned that corner there and really started to come into his own. Really good to see that. The U.S. needs that because they're, they're, they were the prospective favorites coming into this tournament with that big USNTDP class with Leonard and with Perot and with Will Smith. And with Jacob Fowler and you have Hudson on the back end, they didn't bring Cole Iserman, which is nuts to me. But besides the point, uh, Cutter Gauthier, Rutger McGroarty, et cetera, all these guys, presumptive favorites in this tournament, experienced team that's played a lot together. Hudson stepping up and starting to find that uh, dynamic, dyna- 
dynamic play. I I can't pronounce dynamism. Doesn't matter. On the back end is a huge thing for them because it unlocks so much more potential when he is playing at his best. And even more so, Hattie Kalakash, Scott Wheeler, uh, Chris Peters, all players who have watched him a lot are recognizing that in the defensive zone, he's using his brain up here in terms of positioning and everything to uh, make the most of his time in the defensive zone and learning to defend very well. Rush defense, a little bit of a struggle in his own zone when he could use positioning and stick work and everything. Lane Hudson looks incredible. I love seeing Philip Mashar succeed. Uh, he's someone that I know a lot of fans wrote off, and I really think they're going to regret that based on how well he's played in the OHL this year and how well he's playing at World Juniors this year. Imagine if this team had Simon Nemitz or Uri Slavkovsky on it too. Just a monster potential game there. Uh, would love to see Slovakia steal a medal in this tournament. Don't know if they will, but I would love to see that. It's good for the sport overall. Uh, in the AHL, my, 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 what a difference a couple of injury changes make. They got Le- the Rocket got Leah Sanderson back. Gabriel Bork is back from injury. They've got the defense looking like a defense again. Sean Farrell's returned from injury. Xavier Simino's healthy. They've got a deeper lineup now. And the, and the thing is, Jakob Dobish was AHL Player of the Month at Habs Eyes on the Prize. That article is out as of right now. Went 5-2-1 and one in the month of December after only winning three games in October and November total. He's turned a really big corner after it was he got pulled against Abbotsford and then lost in overtime to Hartford, and then just something in his brain just clicked, and he's been incredible for them. And a large part of Jakob Dobish's success in net is that the defense in front of him has settled in so nicely. Part of that is William Trudeau and Toby Paquette-Bisson on that second pairing have really kind of stabilized the spot there. William Trudeau seems to have found his game again and is kind of back to the guy he was last year. Less responsibility on the power play, so more time that he can focus on five-on-five with uh, Paquette-Bisson, the veteran, on his other side there. They've stabilized that second pairing. And then on the top pair, Logan Mayu and Arbor Jackeye. Two guys not known for the biggest hockey IQ on the ice all the time. And we know we love watching Arbor Jack. I beat dudes up and lay big hits. Sometimes he gets caught chasing. It's a thing that happens. And the thing is, I love watching him hit people. His pairing with Logan Mayu has been, they have their, they have their mistakes as young guys do, but between the two of them, they're pushing the play out of their zone quickly and creating offense at the other end. Mayu anchors power play one, Jack Eye power play two. They continue to produce points in those two situations. And that's a huge thing for the Canadians. They wanted Arbor Jack Eye to go down there and smooth out some of his game. He's doing so really well. He's mostly stayed out of trouble. He said one fight in the AHL because Sean Element kept pestering about it. And Jack Eye at the end of the shift went fine, landed two big punches, and Element looked like he wanted none of it. He's been dialed in the way you want. He's taken his assignment there to heart and has been really, really good in that role. And then Logan Mayu next to him, he still has some of his defensive issues in terms of timing when he should be carrying the puck deep or making pinches, but they're getting less and less. The play in the defensive zone is getting less, chase the puck around more, positioning, using the stick effectively, leveraging what are two large bodies on the blue line there to create opportunities. 
Sometimes they get hemmed in a little bit and then they're struggling. They're chasing hits. It happens, but I'm seeing that less and less compared to the beginning of the year. I'm not saying swap Justin Barron and Logan Mayu, you know, do this, do that. But I think we're only so far away from Arbor Jack. I being back at the NHL level here. And even if they keep Mayu in the AHL all year, this is someone who is showing that they can, they have worked on some of the issues they've had. And I don't know if that's player development staff, the coaching staff with Kelly Buckberger or whatnot, but they're dialed in, in a way that I couldn't have predicted. If you told me there was going to be a Jack, I, pairing, I've been like, there's going to be so many goals against and so many penalties. They've kind of reined that back in a lot. Jack eyes played a pretty solid, clean game, a couple of penalties here and there in his one fight. But for the most part, he's, staying out of the box and being able to use himself to the most effectiveness there. And the other big part, Joshua was back. And part of that is the defense being able to generate chances was able to find more space because they're worrying about where the point shots are coming from. And Sean fair, they've moved Waddle power play too. Sean Farrell's on power play one right now and spreading out that talent means you might get a tired penalty killing unit out there, or you've got, guys who are not prepared to or who are not equipped to deal with how smart Joshua Watt can be. And I know a lot of people like, well, I want, uh, you know, I want him in, I want him in the NHL. I want him over Yoel Armia and this and that. I'm going to be real honest in that. Let him stay where he's at right now. He's doing a really good job. Uh, I'm looking at the AHL standings or the AHL uh, scoreboard right here. The only player in the top 20 for scoring right now is Brandon Jiniak, who has 28 points in 30 games. But amongst rookie skaters, Wa is third. Logan Stankoven is absolutely crushing it uh, in Texas right now. Uh, Brant Clark in Ontario, 32 points. Joshua is 26 points in 30 games this year. 10 goals, 16 assists. The Rocket are finding their legs, and I think Wa is going to be someone who is going to start picking that up. And again, because he had a really rough month in November. He didn't score from November 18th until December 8th. And that is in between there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games. Had a little bit of a slow start, but he seemed to be finding his legs a little bit more. He looks more involved there. Love seeing that rebirth of the rocket there. Uh, and my final up is uh, thank you all uh, for our subscribers. I know we're going to do the... Uh, we're going to do the emotional sign off here, whether you like it or not at this point. Uh, thank you so much. We hit 3000 subscribers this year on YouTube. We've, you know, set hit records and everything. We are not where we are as locked on Canadians without your support. Uh, we're aiming, you know, another big year. We'd love to hit 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. We'd love to grow on uh, Twitter. We're going to be working to do more things to get more involved with you. Uh, our thousandth episode after this is 17 episodes away, which is a wild thing. Uh, thank you so much for all of you. You send your mailbag questions. You send us uh, topic ideas. You send us jokes and memes, stuff you've seen at games, everything else. We love and appreciate all of you so much. Uh, wishing you all the happiness and health in the new year in 2024. As always, go Habs go. Remember, you can find us where Wherever you find your daily podcasts on Google, Apple, Spotify, on YouTube.com. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Canadians at gmail.com if you got any mailbag questions. You can follow me at Scott Matla. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. We will see you all heading into, well, it is the new year now. We will see you all uh, in our next episode tomorrow night. Until then, 
Stay safe. See y'all next time. <laughs>